The one thing the Chick-fil-A commercial is never showing you is the chicken sandwich. They're talking about building a relationship in a community. They're, they're sitting on couches, talking about their personal experiences with their customers. And so to me, they've really gone about it the right way to try to build a relationship with the consumer. And so there's a, a partnership there. They've got the corporate experience and all the marketing and all that other stuff behind them. And they've got a local person who owns that business. They've kind of figured it out a little ways. Welcome to the Performance Mindset Podcast, and I'm your host, Amy Calandrino, CEO of Beyond Commercial. After a decade of providing expert commercial advice and consultation to business owners and investors I serve, I wanted to share some of the most inspiring and influential leaders I've met along the way. The goal of this podcast is to share valuable insights from these impactful individuals, as well as business and commercial real estate trends. If you want to grow, you're tuned in to the right show. Today, I'm delighted to have Joe Vigil. Did I say that right? I always go back and forth on that. Well, it, first of all, some, some people call me Joel, which always bothers me. The Fijal oh. part doesn't. But when people say Joel because it's Joe Fijal, they kind mm -hmm. of, yeah, but you did well. Okay. Wow. By the way, you, my, uh, the guests that I have on my podcast were very open and honest. And so if you're wanting to grow and learn, then you're in the right place. But yes, we're delighted to have Joe here. He's with Ethos Event Collective. It's a new event management company who's bringing a new level of intentional planning and measured results to creating and executing both valuable and meaningful events. I've known Joe for half a decade and his energy is contagious. His team has a culture of accountability. Joe's passion for results is evident from the moment you meet him, which has created that culture he has within the organizations he's led. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much, Amy. So let's start from the beginning. Tell us a bit more about your background and how you got into hospitality and eventually landed in Orlando. I know that's going to take a bit. Yeah. Well, it'll be quick. I was lucky enough back in the boom when I remember when Universal was announced, it was being built and it was the next Hollywood East and blah, 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 blah. And so I had been just recently out of school and was looking for a job and got a job at Universal Studios. And that really kind of, this is in the early 90s. That's when they were actually filming you know, like they were truly having filming going on here. And it wasn't just an amusement theme park. I remember that. Yeah, it's crazy. So a lot of people like the old school people remember that. But what happened was it just ironically is that the cruise line was going through the boom as well. And so they were having larger ships being built. And they didn't have the same kind of staff and labor. So somebody from Holland America came to Orlando to interview for where hospitality professionals, the Julies, if you will, of the Lobo to entertain on the ships. And that's what I did. And so me and five buddies got hired to go work for the cruise lines. And so like within two weeks, you know, in 1994, I got a call. Can you be in Alaska in two weeks? And I had an apartment and I had a roommate and I had a job and it was just like, yep, I can. And so that was it. That's kind of how it led down this path. And I was young and I was in my early 20s and, and it just really kind of evolved from there. I got to work with an incentive house on the cruise lines. I got based in Europe and that's when some of the higher end stuff happened. We did 12 and 14 day itineraries. And so from there, I met, you know, incentive house came on board and then I didn't know what they did. And they asked me to come work. I took a leave of absence from at that point, I worked for Royal Caribbean and I took about nine months off. And it was incredible. It was a great experience, but I realized I didn't want to do that full time. 
but it also showed me that you can do some of the event side and be local. You didn't have to be on a plane every week. And so to me, that was important because I didn't have much of a life, you know, outside of being on the ships and working, you know, so you'd have four or five months on and then you have two months coming home and that would be collecting up with information on people and what you've been up to and, you know, whatever, and then going back out to Europe for five months. So that was just not the best lifestyle. And at that point, that's kind of how it evolved. And then from there, I really gravitated towards the relationship side of our business. You know, there's transactional stuff, which is school groups or whatever, but you know, when some of these big companies, Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies are planning their national sales meeting or their incentives, and they pick up the phone to call me or our team as thought leaders to say, hey, we're thinking about doing this. What do you think we could do a little different? Because everybody wants something you can't do on your own. There's no better state to live in than Florida to do that. And so that really brought me back home here after traveling. I got a chance to work for Pebble Beach Resorts for a few years. I had never worked for a resort. But I also realized I was so far away from home. Florida's my home and our families are here and we had kids. And so coming back here, you know, I always say Florida is like one big continent with five countries. You can go from Amelia Island to Miami to Naples and it's like, wait, are we still in the same state? You know, like, and so it's a very diverse community of professionals and hospitality and, um, like I said, there's no place I'd rather be. Now, the Ethos brand itself is kind of evolving as we find new destinations and new places that our clients think that they need to be serviced better or just have better opportunities to have more creative or more focus. You know, our business has become very, I don't know, I, I don't want to say mainstream, but, you know, it, the DMC and event management world used to be, you know, that one unique restaurant or that one venue or that entertainer who could do whatever become a little cookie cutter. So we try to really look at each program individually, but that that is kind of how I started in the industry. And honestly, around mid thirties, I realized I love what I did. I could have a great relationship with a lot of local people and I didn't have to travel as much. And I just kind of settled in and said, I think I want to do this. I think I can do this. And, um, and from that moment, my career really started to blossom. So when you came back to Florida, which market did you really focus on right away? Or did you, did you have multiple markets? That's a great question. I came back and at the time before I moved to Pebble Beach Resorts and I had a, had a wicked non-compete. That's why I ended up leaving because I wanted to become a business owner. And unfortunately I was watching this company grow. I was a big part of that growth and, and responsible for a ton of sales more than two thirds of the sales. And I don't think the owner wanted to give me full ownership and rightfully so. I don't think I was mature enough at the point either to be a business owner. It's something I wanted, but I'm not sure I knew how to do that. But when I came back, my wife and I had met each other in South Florida. And when I came back, I just knew that if we really want to do this right, I kind of had to be in South Florida because it's hard to teach culture. You kind of have to breed it. And by me not being in the market, and South Florida is a tough market to be in from a service, execution, deliverables, and the event side, I knew that that would be very difficult to do. So when I came back in 2011-12, I moved back to South Florida. But prior to that, I'd been in the Orlando market for like 15 years. Yeah. So you've probably seen a lot of changes and most notably, you know, the last couple couple years, but uh, talk about that evolution and in, in what you've seen here in, in, in Florida. Yeah. Well, and I think in Florida in general, especially in the past 24 months where our governor has allowed us to be open, it's a whole nother asterisk that we won't get into. But I think, you know, South Florida has evolved. It's become a little bit more culturally 
known. There's a lot more museums. There's a lot more art and, and, and performing arts that you can go to. The other thing that I think really shifted after 9-11, there was a huge demand and there's a huge marketing for international travel. And so now in Miami, Miami's like one of the top five destinations in the U.S. I mean, I put it up there with New York, Chicago, L.A., but the Europeans and the Latin America community are, are thriving because of the Miami airport and the lift and the planes have gotten quicker. So to take a five and a half hour flight across the pond to come over to the U.S. is not that difficult today. And there are people who do long weekends. And so you have a lot of investment opportunities. So Miami has really changed quite a bit. Orlando in itself has become very big and boxy before there'd be a couple of big hotels and that was it. Now there's a bunch of big box hotels. So it's become a lot different as far as the two markets go. But then, you know, have smaller markets like Amelia Island and, and we're very successful. We have an office on the island, but people want a boutique feel and a different kind of approach when they go to that, you know, destination. So yeah, the whole state has changed quite a bit, but I think for us, our, our job is always to try to settle in and try and figure out what's new. Like, what are we going to do that might be a little different for this group? And what is the thing that maybe is hard to talk about? But at the end of the day, it's exactly what the client needs to talk about so we can deliver, you know, but that, that's been some huge change in Florida in general. And I've seen it uh, dramatically with the international groups that are coming in. And then also just the, you know, the leisure, the amount of groups of, you know, people leisure that are coming internationally. That stopped overnight with COVID, but I think it's going to come back even stronger as the U.S., leisure, you know, for the summer has been off its, you know, chain. I think as soon as the borders open, there's a lot of Europeans and people from Latin America who are going to come to this destination and spend a lot of money and spend a lot of time. Think about 1.8 million Canadians, I think normally come down as snowbirds who have not left Canada to come down last year. Wow. That's going to be significant too for our market. It has not much to do with my business, but it will help the economy. It will help some of the tourism and the hospitality professionals who have been hurting. Yeah. And then what type of international clientele are you, you seeing come, come over? I think it really depends. Technology, I think, is always a big one. The financial and insurance side is a big. And then obviously the medical, you know, any of those symposiums or big pharma conferences that they're doing or medical conferences, you know, Miami has a brand new convention center. So that's what we were seeing prior to the shutdown was a brand new convention center with some other stuff. So, and we also hosted the Super Bowl, which, you know, the, putting a Super Bowl from a group yeah. standpoint on the national stage in 2020 was huge. And, you know, literally six weeks later, you know, we closed the economy and we closed, we closed down because of obviously what happened. Yeah. So obviously last 24 months have been really challenging. How have you remained resilient? I think for me personally, and this is just my walk because everybody has their own little walk during right. this time. I would say prior to, I realized that um, if we wanted to be great, there were some things that we were going to have to do differently. And if you're running your business or you're in a company, you know, it's kind of like that NASCAR race of 500 miles. You know, the, the, the car comes into a pit stop. You got a short window to make some changes, but the way that our business is, it's so busy, it's hard to make some you know, significant changes that are going to have huge impact on not only the employees, but your clients and the industry. And so for me, I'd been thinking about that for some time and witnessing firsthand how devastating the shutdown was and what happened to the hospitality industry. We were at the tip of the sword of what happened, and we still are in a way. And there's been a significant decrease in labor and ability to retain. 
what what helped me really walk through this and navigate was understanding that I had to make a change. And I, the big thing that I, you know, I kind of prayed about and I just thought about is I don't want to come out of this and do the same thing. You know, like to me, we all change something about the way we live, the way we do business, the way we interact with people, um, both good and bad. And I think, um, but the other thing that really struck me was, you know, when you're facing what we did with, you know, maybe your business not surviving or, you know, and I had some great mentors who were helping me. One, one gentleman I called immediately and he said, don't be the guy who looks back and said, I wish I would have done that. And so, you know, it started with one and then we went to two and three different layoffs, which I had never done. I didn't know what the word furlough meant. I asked for a lot of help meaning I need guidance. I have, I'm a member of a CEO group and man, those, those guys saved me, not just mentally, but emotionally, physically, and they were encouraging throughout the way and trying to build a business the way that I wanted it to be. And ultimately that really helped me. And, but also being honest with my employees and just saying, you know, we're going to change. I'm not sure what that means. And, and, and also being able to tell them, I'm not sure. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of questions I got. And this thing, this is like a yo-yo with the Delta strain and all kinds of other stuff going back and forth. But I just knew coming out of this, I didn't want to be the same. And I think, you know, one of the other things that really helped me too was just knowing who, you know, one in six people in Amelia Island work for or live or, or know somebody who works for the two big resorts there. So when you do a shutdown, that community experiences tremendous disruption. And I saw that firsthand, not only just with my team and I couldn't save their jobs or anything, nothing I could do to do that. That really led me to believe that we need to walk a different walk and connect the community, which is important in the state of Florida. Hospitality tourism is the number one industry, but connect that to the meetings and the events folks coming down from all these places. So they knew. And um, I think the gratitude I had is in May of this year, we had a group of about 3,500. And, and, you know, the leader of this company had the courage to meet. They looked, they did a pulse survey, they talked to their people and said, should we come to Orlando and do this big meeting? And they said, yes. I mean, they lost about 15% of the overall crowd, but 85% of the people came down. And, and, and when I was with the gentleman in the car, we were doing a an event at Universal Orlando, and we bought out the theme park for this group as kind of a thank you and everything else, because they'd been through a lot. Yeah. I told them, I said, I want you to understand this piece of business, your business, your group allowed me to bring four of my people back full time. And you had 120 banquet servers that are working this week, and you're putting food on their tables. And I remember that president literally stopped and goes, why aren't we talking about this? And I said, I'm not sure, but I want you to know what you did for my business. And it was amazing because when they were thinking about meeting, they never considered that, that they're a part of this cycle and the economy. They were just trying to think, okay, how do we do this safely and everything else? So that was a very great blessing for ethos. And that's why we kind of started this. And that's why we left what we were doing in this big brand and started this because we couldn't do it the same way. And we really want to be more purposeful in everything we do, everything we do. Yeah. And that's how we ended up here. I'm not saying we're out of the woods. And I listen, I've seen a lot of businesses struggle and, and I've struggled. But I think that honesty and empathy that I have for where we are has been significant in our growth. Yeah, there's a lot of catching up to do for the hospitality industry. Oh, huge, huge. huge. Listening to you, one thing that I'm hearing, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that 
it almost seems like since this whole disruption has happened, there's a lot of layers that have come down between you and your clients. And then even a lot of layers that have come down between, between you and your employees that, that is really creating that greater level of trust. But you're able to be more transparent and oh, yeah. authentic with, with everyone. It's almost like, you know, there's more grace or I'll let you put, put your, yeah, I think I, I'm hearing that in your story. Huge. Yeah. That's a huge part of this too, Amy. Yeah. I think, you know, you said at the beginning and we've had some clients who actually have chosen not to work with us because we're the new company. And even though the team and the core was intact, you know, like we had 50 plus employees at the d- depth of the COVID, we had four and a half, five and we were doing rolling furloughs. That was the one thing that brought me to tears one day was, you know, I had the next round and realized we got to figure this out because there's only so much cash, you know, that is a business. You're basically, I explained it to my children. It's like being in a, a restaurant, having the lights on and your entire staff and kitchen and nobody's walking through the front door for nine months. And you got all the food that you have to throw out and you have to buy new food and get ready. And then nobody comes. And so for me, I think, we were a new company by name, but more purposeful. And that's part of what I think the explaining and that, that depth that you're kind of talking about in the layers, because even though we're new, I think we're driven with stronger purpose. We have better uh, transparency. I think there's some clients who I think we can really help in a different way and consult, but I think there's some other clients who are like, well, you're the new company. And, you know, my former business partners started a new, the same name that I delivered for 10 years, but there's a brand new team. And that culture thing is huge. I, I think people underplay the culture thing. And I think that transparency word you used is important in business, especially today, because there's many times throughout this journey that our employees had questions for me that I literally could not answer. And I was very honestly, I'm not sure. Because for the first time, our industry, our world, we didn't have answers. And I think that's where we are even today. You know, I feel good about what the future looks like. But, you know, like realistically, how do you make a plan when the plans keep changing? And, um, you know, I felt really, uh, uh, you know, I've seen the changes in hospitality and tourism and you guys have seen it, you know. I saw numerous Iowa, Ohio plates during spring break last year. And they, and people were talking about, you know, Florida and I'm like, well, there are people coming here because they want it. They want something. And, and that's the thing that we have to really understand is that depth of who we are and not forget that. And also, you know, that lifestyle, I, I will tell you, I think both of my, you know, most of my team were burning the candle at both ends in this industry. So we're trying to be a little bit more understanding and respectful to their schedule, their time. Yes, we are professionals and yes, hospitality is open and yes, we work on a Sunday, but there are some times we have to say no. And by saying no, it allows somebody else within our team to say yes, or maybe even one of our rivals. I don't even look at competitors anymore. I call them rivals. Maybe they, maybe it's a better job for them. Because we've been going so strong and, 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 and knowing who we are has been that depth, I think, and, um, and really understanding where we're going to be led with this new company and how clients are going to allow us to be part of some conversation that we never were. And then in some clients, they just choose to not even call us now. And that's okay. We're just maybe not the best fit because we're the new company. But I think that's that understanding the first few months that I really kind of scratched my head with they really kind of hurt emotionally for me because I know we had delivered before, but the understanding was, well, maybe that's just not the purpose of what we're here for, for them. 
anymore. And that's okay too. But that's the, you know, there is some depth there and, and finding the right person to fit our culture has been very challenging because we don't want the best resume to come our way. We're really looking for to build a relationship and almost a family atmosphere with the people that are here because we have to rely upon each other so much to get it done. And finding that Swiss army knife of a person in our business is really difficult. That just like doesn't want do one thing. So that has been a challenge too, but um, there is some, there is some great depth with what we're trying to do. And it's not just my vision. It's the team's vision now. I mean, they really see what's, what's happening and how we're going to impact the communities. Yeah. It sounds like you're able to create more space so that you're able to be a better job job for as a leader your your team is able to you know do better and just even for your clients creating more intentional experiences but then even in your business there's there's much more intentionality about how your team is being utilized absolutely you know we have three different business models now we do an hourly fee we do a consulting fee and then we do our baked in rate before we didn't do that. So now that we have the choice to do that and some of the employees choose to like, Hey, let's do an hourly. Cause if they're going to call me, you know, I'll <laughs> talk to them, but you know, like, I'm, you know, cause sometimes we're therapists too. Like we're trying to walk people off the ledge of why they shouldn't do this event because of the challenges with the permitting or whatever. So yeah, I think, you know, that's being resilient. That's also understanding where change is possible and having the courage to change when yeah, I mean, you think about how restaurants today, you know, you don't even have a menu. Now you're scanning it on your phone. And the one thing I've told people is like, it's genius because today I'm going to charge $2.99 for the burger. And yesterday was $5.99, you know, and I wouldn't know. But I think there's some there's some change that's happening within our, our day-to-day lives that we may not even recognize as change. But but that change for us was absolutely necessary and some of it wasn't even my vision, you know, things were brought to the table and I'm like, that's a great idea. That is going to benefit us in many ways. Yeah. Hopefully that answered your question kind of in a roundabout. Yeah, no, I, I think it's great. So we talk about your people besides money. What have been some of your favorite ways to, to compensate your people? Oh, I think the change within me personally has allowed me to stop at times to really thank people. I've always been, I always felt like, you know, I came from a culture where, well, if you got paid and you did it, you know, that's your thank you kind of thing. And today it's just much, much more. I think designing a company where we're asking for people's input on what their titles should be has been, a, you know, not a monetary thing, but just the fact that I care about what their business card says um, and how they're viewed to their peers. I think before I was doing trips and other things, trying to do, you know, one big team incentive, which we may do in the future. But when you're really trying to figure it out, Amy, I mean, honestly, it was trying to figure out how do we pay for vacation time? How do we, you know, and, and before you took it for granted. Um, but I think, you know, stopping, I always call it the two ups and one down for every one down that you got to coach somebody on. You better give them two ups, you know, and say, hey, I love what you're doing here. And I, and I think this has been great. I think there's too much uh, times where leaders focus on what they, they're not doing well versus what they are doing well. I think taking a moment to really, and especially during COVID, to take a minute to really have some empathetic conversation with people to see how are you doing and really just shut up and listen, which is, you know, for those who know me, it's sometimes challenging, but it really is just saying, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? 
and really try to, I think today I'm more personally invested in some of the people that work with me um, more because they're great people than they're the best employees. And I think that to me is part of that. And it may not sound, you know, great to the listener, but I think that's a little thing. We're big on birthdays. You know, we are big on birthdays and we try to take a minute to celebrate. And it's hard when you're not seeing each other face to face. One of the things that I have done during this time was um, get together for lunches a few times and other stuff, which to me, I think it was more for me than it was for them. But there were some great things that happened because of that. So, yeah, I think there's some little stuff, but people want to feel wanted. They want to feel welcomed. They want to feel like they have a home. Um, They have a voice. I've always said we've had a voice when you get hired with our team, but today I think it's even more impactful because we're having them help grow our brand. And in some cases that brand is evolving based upon where our industry is going. And I'm excited. You know why I'm excited? Because we're part of this re we're part of this rebuilding of what's happening. And we're one of those stories that hopefully is going to be a great story that people can learn from. We're going to make some mistakes we already have, but I think that rebuilding of an industry, not just our business. I think some of these people who are very passionate about what we do are rolling up their sleeves and they're getting excited because we are going to be tested. Um, But this is what they, this is why they're here. And um, that in itself and giving them that empowerment to do that without micromanaging their schedule or, you know, asking a million questions. If I hired you for that position, I trust you make that decision and I'll, I'll follow, I'll support you. Um, that doesn't happen very often. It's one of the reasons I've left some of the companies I had and wanted to be a business owner. And I told you I didn't have that skill. I mean, I was not the leader I was four or five years ago. And there's some employees who probably worked for me in the past that I would love to apologize to because I didn't have that skill. And I really have to work at it. It's a daily grind to, for me to get better. In like some cases, I, I was forced to. I mean, we're all forced to make those things. So yeah, I think that's that's really it. It's just have, being empathetic, having them part of the solution. And having them empowered. But I think, you know, the title thing was a huge deal. I didn't realize how much people really, you know, kind of, because to me, I work for the company, I'll do it, whatever, call me whatever, I'm all in. I think there are some things today that are much different than when I was, you know, in the, in the, in the career that I'm in. And if you gave me a title, I was like, okay. But if you asked me to create a title, I'm not sure what I would have done. But today I see the benefit of it. And it's been, um, it's been good. It's been really good. It gives them ownership and then they're more, more invested. I think that's, that's fantastic. So you've been in the event space for quite some time. I just wanted to ask kind of an off the wall question. What's probably the strangest request you've ever gotten? Well, I'm going to talk about a couple as a business leader. There have been times when employees have come to me and said, this client doesn't really like you. (laughs) And it's okay if you don't come to the pre-con or it's okay if you don't, you know, they love the team. I'm I'm sometimes a bull in the China shop. I may, you know, whatever it is. To me, I think that the best thing that, you know, that request for my internal team has been awesome because I don't care. Like in in the the end of the day, not everybody's going to love or like me, but if they love or like what we do, and the empowerment our team has been great. So to me, that's a request. I think, you know, the request, we've had some things happen where you know it's just impossible. I mean, everybody wants to do something they can't do themselves. You know, like, what, what, I want to do that. You know, I want to I want to have our CEO in the castle with, with Tinkerbell and fly across, you know, like, that's the stuff that you're like, 
we got to learn this quickly because that's not going to happen. You know, things of that nature. I think, you know, our job is to try and come up with an alternative solution that figures out the goal and gets that done. I think, you know, the why challenge... do they want to come out of the castle? <laughs> exactly, you know? So it's, it is funny because some of the best things we've ever done has been redirecting a client to come up with a solution to their problem, but focusing on what is possible. I think, I think, you know, if you could, and I will tell you, if you can remain solution oriented, because yes. in this COVID that we've been experiencing, one of the things I really try to challenge some of my leaders and stuff is, hey, we understand the problem. Let's focus on the solution because the problem is here right now. If we can focus on the solution, we'll start brainstorming and we'll probably come up with something even better than the problem at hand. And so I think, you know, some of the craziest stuff is the stuff that you just know isn't going to happen. But I think some of the other things, I think what I try to teach my team, and I've said this before, it's kind of like, if you know it's not possible, don't say no. Say, let me think about it. Come back with that solution that is like maybe better and say, hey, I wasn't able to do this, but here's what I am able to do. And I think that just builds that trust and that whatever. But I think, you know, we get requests a lot of times to do stuff that we're just like, we're not going to do that. You know, there, I'll give you an example. This happens all the time in South Florida. It's crazy. You have to have a commercial license in order. In, and so when people go to South Florida, what do they want to do? They want to go on a yacht, but they have more than 12 people. Anything over 12 people is a commercial vessel that needs different regulations, different insurance, and is Coast Guard mandated to do different things and have different things on their boat. Unfortunately, that costs a lot of money. And unfortunately, most business people who own a yacht are never going to do what they need to do to have that certified for a commercial vehicle for me to rent it for my clients. <laughs> we have many clients who have asked and don't care, but I care. Right. Because I want to be legal and I want to do the right thing. And so there's times where we, yeah, we could have that. I mean, I will tell you, there's a couple of celebrities who own some yachts who they're out there. You can go rent them. I'm not saying that I could put 30 people on that legally, though, because it is commercial. So those are the things that sometimes come into play that we have to just be the person to say, well, we're not going to be able to do that. We have these selection that are certified and are legal, if you will. It's part of being a leader, you know, it's trying to do things uh, the right way all the time. You know, you've heard that saying, you know, people um, are great leaders when, when nobody's watching, you know, like, uh, so that, that to us, I think is really huge, but that happens quite a bit in our business yeah. during the Super Bowl. Everybody wants that one thing that, you know, that one restaurant that you can't get into. And, and so those relationships make some of that stuff happen, but um, you know, ideally, you know, I think that's what's great about our business. We're not doing the same thing every time. And, you know, and ultimately uh, the creative element allows us to be different all the time in what we deliver. And it may not be exactly what's been asked for, but if it hits the mark on what the why is and the goals, it, in most cases, it's better. It's better than what they originally thought out because we're taking an idea and bringing it to the next level. I think it's why companies that have really thrived have really um, they're not living by one thing. They kind of have a path and sometimes they go off the beaten path, but they end up back on that path, stronger, better, and more um, capable based upon, you know, what they've learned. 
hopefully that answers your question, but yeah. um, we get a lot of do- goofy requests. Trust me. One thing I will say, there was one time, this is probably the weirdest thing. We had a, a, a family come from Saudi Arabia and I was young. I was in operations role. So I was meant to make it happen. And they, this was a Royal family and they didn't want to change their schedule, meaning they wanted to stay on whatever time zone they were. So the resort that I was working and I was there to manage it, they bought out like the top three floors of this resort. And it was crazy because they only had like 20 something people in their party, but they bought out like 60 rooms from a safety security and just privacy standpoint they did. But I remember because it was the middle of the night, they would be up. We had to set up a biking tour for them and we had these bikes. And so you had these folks from the Middle East coming over and this was in the nineties, but like fully dressed in the gear, you know, of whatever that was. And it's like midnight and we're basically had these lights set up and other stuff out in the parking lot so they could ride the bikes around at night, you know, (laughs) it's a little bit of money to make that happen. Don't get me wrong, but it was definitely different because they just didn't want to switch their schedule. They were, they wanted to maintain that. They didn't want jet lag. They wanted to maintain. So they would go into the parks in the morning and then they would be done by middle of the day because then they would go to bed. And, and they and just want to stay up. on their time zone. They want to stay on their time zone. And with that kind of money and that kind of, they just made it happen. That's what they did. Was If it was in Florida, it was probably much more comfortable to be biking in the middle of the night. It was. Yeah. <laughs> but I just remember at the time, like, what are we doing? Okay. <laughs> and I thought after like day one or two, they'd be like, you know, they'd be like, ah, let's just, no, they were there two weeks. They, they we just <laughs> different things for them in the evenings. It was crazy. That's, that's incredible. One thing I, I see in the industry or just see across the board is there's a demand for more curated craft like experiences. And so you're delivering these client experiences and it's, it's almost as if the, the, the employees expect that as well, a, a great experience for them too. So it's not just the client experience. Well, Amy, I'm going to tell you this and, and my, my employees today are more important than my customers and my clients. I could not tell you that six years ago. I was not the same leader. I had too much turnover because I didn't understand uh, their needs, their wants. And also, you know, that I told you that weird professional that loves on strangers in hospitality. I don't think I fully understood that. So t- today I would tell a client that, listen, your business is really important. We're going to deliver and we're all in. But if I don't have the right people, I can't even say that to you. And to me, understanding that, and that is hard. We turned down an RFP, a very big RFP, because I brought it to my leadership team earlier this year. It's one that you wait for. You, I mean, you plant the seeds for years. And then the RFP comes and you're like, oh my goodness, this is massive. And we turned it down because the team looked at me and said, how are we going to do this? I don't think we can get this done. I don't think we're the right fit. And I have to tell you, I, I, it was excruciating for me to say no. But literally six weeks after I did, I was grateful because I realized it built their trust that I was truly changing. But it also was an eye-opening thing for me because other things came into play that was probably a better fit. Yeah. And so I, you know, and so that I didn't see that at the time when we had turned it down. It's so funny. It went out to like several of our, our rivals and everybody was in line. And we and I found out we were the only ones who declined, but it's okay. Yeah. Because where there's one, there's two. And you know this in, in your world. Yes. Where there's one, there's two. 
I mean, I, I think this ideally you'd love to get it, but today there's probably going to be a second. We just may have to look a little harder, may have to work, or may just get lucky, and then it presents itself. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's a big deal. Putting the putting the employees first, and that's a complete reset for me as a human, as a person, as a leader. You know, today a lot of my priorities have completely been reset, and everybody's done that in their own way during this uh, this time that we've been in over the past 20, 21 months. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, I don't know if people would out come and say that, you know, and even as I say it, I'm like, oh man, some of these customers are like, what? It's true though. I mean, you look, I mean, if they, I will tell you, if they thought it was that big, they would think about my employees and they wouldn't cancel their meeting, but they did, you know, and that's part of that whole new, like, well, we got to take care of the team. Right. And if there is no team, there is no company. And then we don't have a future. So we got to figure that out quickly. You've been through this a lot. Do you believe that there's any sort of pattern or formula to becoming a successful entrepreneur? I think those who are willing to adapt, to learn, and to ask for help, and to be guided, and to be held accountable, I think are the ones who are probably more successful. And I, I've said this, and I'll say it again, I was not a really good owner or leader four or five years ago. I, I think there were some things that I wanted to change. I just didn't know how. And I started to figure it out. Uh, by taking on that approach. So I don't think there is one way to be successful. Uh, but I, I can tell you most today, my biggest enjoyment of being a business owner is watching our garden grow, watching that light bulb go on for the employee who's been struggling to figure some things out. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, they got it. They, they did get hired to do this job. They're going to do, they're going to make that decision. They're going to own it. It's kind of like that Saturday night live skit. Um, I don't sell the tickets. I just take the tickets. That's his job. You know, it's like, that's the worst employee you can have. You know, it's like, <laughs> I just get hired to, to, to tear the tickets. That's my job. He sells them, you know, and it's like, and you think today you're going to movie theater, you're like, gosh, so easy. Like, what are we doing here? Buy the, you know, sell the ticket, walk in, go see your movie. Now we got to have like three people to figure it out. My point is, I think, Today, I can tell you, I got into business for the wrong reasons to be a business owner. Today, the greatest gift I have is watching the garden grow and watching that intern turn on the light and then being able to give promotions and pay increases and, and time off and watching people get married and buy houses because they've been successful and really just develop in their own way. That to me has been a, a better gift because it's not about me. If, if they get those things, the business will thrive because they don't want to be anywhere else because we're going to have great customers. They're going to have great team that they can rely upon and we're going to be desired. People are going to want to come back. So, you know, to me, it's being less transactional and more purposeful and strategic. The transactional relationships are the ones who will drop you in their head when there's a change in price, the economy, or the new thing comes along. You know, the strategic ally is the one who says, eh, I'm not sure we should do that. And so to me, uh, I don't think there is one way. And honestly, um, you know, I'm talking about like big chains, but, you know, it's not even Domino's Pizza anymore. Now it's Domino's and you can buy anything there. I mean, like, you know, you can get a sandwich and chicken. So they've had to evolve. Every business has to look at what they're doing and try to figure it out. And if you were asking like Blockbuster, they didn't figure it out. You know, they, they, didn't, they just, you know, they didn't evolve. And so, you know, this thing, Netflix came along and I, I even look at the, like the red, the red boxes. I'm curious how long those are going to survive because it is convenient. I love it, but 
I don't use it very much anymore because everything I have is right at my fingertips. So I think that's that whole thing in a business entrepreneurship is just, it doesn't mean you have to be different to be different. You have to be different because it's what's expected. You know, it's, it's evolving. And so that's kind of what ethos's journey has been is trying to evolve and, and, you know, being consultants, being somebody who knows who you are and saying, sorry, we can't take this business. We already have, we're full up, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds like a one-on-one, but uh, I don't think there is a right way because, um, I, well, here's the other thing I would say, if you can surround yourself with great leaders, people who are stronger at different things than you are, um, I think that's, that could be very successful for me. There are, there are smarter people in the room sometimes uh, that, that love working as a part of our team, but I, I lack that strength. And that's what's proven to be successful is having them on board. I'm a pretty stubborn person. And sometimes I have to hear things like 12 times from like 12 different people. So if you're around a lot of really good people, then you're going to yeah. hear it enough times for it to get, to get through. But, uh, I think, yeah, but I think, you know, think about it, how many businesses and I've worked for many, we have an open door policy here, but your office is always closed. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> how is that open door? You know what I mean? One of the reasons I left one of my rivals is I watched them hire seven salespeople before I got a shot to even, I wouldn't even talk to about the position because I wasn't looked at as that person who could fulfill the role. So it took me leaving to go to a competitor to outsell them for them to pick up the phone and call me and say, hey, would you think about coming back? <laughs> and you know, I kind of had to remind them, like I, I was sitting on your bench forever. Like just well, coach, put me in, you know? And so I think that's part of that. Just, it's not about me. It's about the team. You know, it's about the bigger goals and, and having the team kind of collectively come up with those, man, we're getting there quicker now. So some of this stuff, you just kind of have to figure out, you talk about the stubbornness. I, I would agree. I mean, there's several times where people like, I think that's the issue with most business owners or mentors, or you know, they're just too emotionally attached to some of that stuff. Cause it's their baby. If you can look at it differently through a different set of glasses, I think you'll get more return and you'll probably enjoy it more. I mean, that's what I've discovered. I'm enjoying it more because I don't have to make all the decisions. I've kind of turned some of that stuff over and heck, that's why I'm paying you. That's why you're here, you know, and they may make mistakes, but that's that two ups, one down. And I got to go there and be like, Hey, kind of learned here. It's grateful. You made the decision. Awesome job. Love the way you tried to execute it. I think next time we're probably not going to do that. You know, <laughs> you know, now, I'm sure it comes a lot, a little bit more eloquently, but you get my point. It's like, you know, too many times it just goes the other way and uh, you alienate people. And honestly, that's who I was probably five, six years ago. It just, it, it pains me to say that, but I think it's true. And I can look myself in the mirror and be like, okay, you know, and I, I, I'm not that person anymore, but I'm trying to grow, definitely trying to grow. And I, I, I'm trying to ask people for help too. I mean, asking for help is a big deal. I, I agree. Having that vulnerability. That's for sure. So you, you've had a tremendous journey and it, it, it's great. But if anyone wants to get in touch with you, where can listeners find you online? Yeah, you know, our website's uh, ethoseventcollective.com. So it's ethoseventcollective.com. And we're on the web. You know, we're, we're building this business through a, a shutdown, which has been a little bit challenging. But man, it's been really fun. We pulled together to make it. It's felt like a startup. I mean, which has been great, even though we've been in business for 10 years, we've got clients who are extremely loyal. 
there's some stuff we're trying to figure out. We're trying to get back into our offices and other stuff like that. But that's where you can find us. And ultimately, you know, for me, this whole pandemic, I've grown in some relationships I've had. I've learned painfully. And in, in some cases, I've learned, you know, really gratefully to grow and to help others. And, you know, so I appreciate you uh, picking my brain and asking these questions. And, you know, for us, I mean, we're not the best solution for everybody, but we are trying to come up with solutions that are the right fit for the right client. And that to me, everybody has their own different goals and objectives. And uh, you know this more than anybody. I mean, you know, you have clients who come who need specific things and that's hard. Not every building is gonna be the right fit for whatever reason. So I do appreciate you and uh, all the work that you've done, you know, in the industry. But, uh, you know, I just love how visual you are on LinkedIn and other things. and. You know, you're wearing a lot of hats other than mom. And I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes incredibly uh, scratching my head here trying to figure out how you get it all done. But I appreciate you uh, having me on. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much.